Welcome to Victory GP. We're excited you've joined us, and we hope you're impacted and inspired by today's message. When I was young, one of my spiritual fathers kind of joked in a way, and he said, if you come to church, don't behave as if you have been injected with lemon juice. And I was like, what does that mean? But over the years, I got to know what he was trying to tell us. Basically, when you come to church, let a life of Christ in you rise up. Church is not a place to be bored. It is a place to receive life. Because life comes from Jesus. I'm happy for what God is going to do today in this place. Very excited. But before I get to my message, I want to say a big thank you to all of you who were part of the book launch last week. Thank you. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that a lot. Um, it was something that God put in my heart, and so I'm very glad that I was able to bring it up. But before I preach, I have two copies I want to give to people. If you are here and God has been drawing your heart to more of his word, that is my heart behind this book. I thank God for the people who have already started, you know, reading and the blessing it is being to you. I appreciate that. If you are here this morning and in this year you feel God is drawing your heart, thank you very much, Ed. God bless you. This is a signed copy. I have one more. Okay. Sorry, somebody came late. Thank you very much. God bless you. I pray that as you, you go through the devotional, God will speak to you. Bless your life. Transform your life. There is nowhere we can find active life than from the word of God. It is the source. And so my heart is that God will bless you according to his own riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Now let's move on to the agenda for the day. We've already had church. But you know, because there is so much in God, we can't finish it, so there is still more. I believe before you got in here, you saw these, are they flyers? What, how do we call them? Brochures, okay. You probably saw some of them out there, and there are some here. Today, I'm going to be talking about a very interesting topic, fasting. And as a church, Victory Church Canada, and I believe even the global um, reach, when we begin every year, we have learned that one of the best ways to begin the year is to spend time to fast and pray. And so different churches pick different times to do it. If you were here over the last few weeks, if you've been coming to church or you've been listening online, you would know that we here in Victory GP would have been having a fast from January 22nd, which is tomorrow, and we're going to go through for the next 10 days. So the message this morning, my responsibility, my job, is to help us understand what fasting is about. You know, there is one thing to have a desire to do something, but there is another thing to have the knowledge to do it well. The Bible says, for lack of knowledge, my people perish. And so enthusiasm and passion and zeal, all those things are good. But all those things without knowledge can bring us trouble. 
And so what I pray God does for us, each one of us today, is to help us understand what fasting is from a biblical perspective. Whether you are new to the faith or whether you are old, it doesn't matter. As long as you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, you are part of God's family. And this is for us. And so today I will explain, I will deal with the basic what is, who has to do with when all those kind of basic questions. It's going to be a teaching um, service, presentation. I have a lot of scriptures. Some of them you will read, others we will not read for the sake of time. What I encourage you to do is that in the course of this week, you will spend time even to go through some of the, the scriptures that I'm going to give to you for you to know more about what fasting is about. And so that is my, my responsibility this morning. So on that note, if you haven't picked a copy of this, we have got some here. We've also got some um, in the foyer. Please, after the service, you can grab one. And um, there are some good information there. Thank you. Um, and you know, maybe you are here, you've not even fasted before, and you think fasting is not for me. I'm very sure by the end of this message, every single one of us will have a desire to fast. Sometimes the desire is not there because we don't even know how to do it, which is okay. But God, through grace, can help us understand, and knowledge can help us understand that. So, I want to say fasting is a great gift from God. It is not a death sentence. Rather, it is one of the effective divine provisions for a victorious and powerful Christian living. It is an opportunity to taste another dimension of the goodness of God in the life of every believer. This, this is not the definition of fasting. It is just the prelude to what I'm going to talk about today. But as I said before, unfortunately, fasting has become kind of a lost discipline in the body of Christ. And sometimes we think people don't like to fast. I disagree. I believe people love to fast. Maybe they haven't received the right knowledge to help them know how to do it well. Because everything that God has given is good. Who doesn't like what is good? The Bible is very simple. All, the, all what God gave us is good. All what God created, he said, he looked and behold, it was good. It includes everything in the word. And so if God gave it and God said it is good, it means that we all love good things. So once again, I think those who don't like it are those who have maybe not understood it well or do not know how to do it well. And by the end of this you know, um, teaching, you would realize that fasting is not as complicated as you thought it was. It's not for any special group of people. It is not for some special spiritual elites. No, it is for every single one. Because God doesn't put a burden on his people. He's a loving God. Every, his yoke is easy. So if it's from God, if it's from Jesus, it is easy. But sometimes our mindset can let us approach it from a place of a burden and so it doesn't become attractive in Matthew chapter 4 verse 4 Jesus says something that is very very profound during the time that Jesus fasted and 
you know, encounter, the enemy came to um, challenge him. So as I said, my, my title for the, the message is Understanding Biblical Fasting. For those of you who are taking notes, Understanding Biblical Fasting. Fasting according to the Bible, not any other kind of fasting. In Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, Jesus said this, but he answered and said, It is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. Man shall not live by bread alone. That is a very powerful scripture. God made us. He knows us. And he said, man shall not live by bread alone. So right there, Jesus was presenting to the disciples at the time, I'm of course the devil, he was speaking to the devil, but a message from it, Jesus quoted this from the book of Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 3, from the Old Testament. Jesus knew the Bible. He could quote from the Old Testament because before the Bible he was, right? But he quoted from the Old Testament and said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. What was Jesus trying to say? Was he trying to prove to the devil that he can quote scriptures? Not necessarily so. But Jesus was teaching us, as his children, the complete or the balanced way of nourishment as Christians. And so he said, man shall not live, which also, of course, man means human soccer, just so we are all good on the same level. Shall not live by bread alone. So bread is important. Bread is needed. Who doesn't like food? Come on, we all do. We all, we all love food. We all love to eat. Where there is food, there is joy. Because God made us with, with, with a desire and an appetite to love food. But then Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. So the second part, because we know the food side. The second part, he said, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the two things that sustains every believer... One, food. Two, the word of God. And the word of God there doesn't necessarily mean the Bible. Yes, it is the Bible, but it's also what has been written and given to us from the Bible. And so, for instance, there are different things that God has given us to do as Christians, as his children. And the truth is this. Everything that God gave us to do has a purpose, has, a, has what it can, it can deliver, it can produce. When it is time for you to worship, if the Holy Spirit places in your heart to worship, God knows what he's going to do with worship in your heart. What worship can do, fasting might not be able to do it. So you can't be overly spiritual and tell God, even though you, you have instructed me or directed me to worship, I want to go fast. God knows what he's going to produce through the worship he puts in your heart. It's just like when we come to church and the worship team is here. Some of us will receive our breakthrough, not through the message that is preached, but from the time of worship. Because every single instruction or every single precept from the word of God has what it does. And so when Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, he was saying that there is, there is something that food can do to our human, you know, self but there are other things that food cannot do if we try to replace those things with food it can work are we good 
And so, there are some times you don't need to pray. May God might lead you to, to worship. Worship. There are some times God might lead you to give. Give. If you want to be stubborn and pray instead of God directing to give, it will not produce a resource. So, whatever God has told us to do in his word, has God a purpose? That is what I'm trying to, you know, stress down. I'm trying to establish. So if God says that there is a part of our life that requires the word of God, which includes fasting, there is a meaning to it. For those of you who have been in the foundations class, I've, when I, when I used to teach it in the past, and I'm going to do it this um, time as well. I use kind of three circles as an analogy. Yeah, I've seen some of you smiling there because you've been in that class with me. And even with, you know, Pam and Sam, they also use that. But I want to do a demonstration for me to really carry what I want to carry well. Can I get three people here on stage with me? Three people. Tina, you have no excuse. You're going to be with me. Okay, thank you. Okay, David be here. Okay, yes, David, come this way. Today is teaching, so we're going to illustrate, you know, things. David, Tina, and Ted, please clap for them. So every one of us, all of us here, as humans, we are made, the Bible says, we are body, soul, and spirit. Okay, body, soul, and spirit. So let's say body here, soul here, and spirit here. When Jesus was saying man shall not live by bread alone, he was talking about man as a complete whole. Soul, body, spirit. And so, soul, body, spirit, okay? Please remember you are spirits, okay? You are soul and you are body. Thank you. So when Jesus said man shall not live by bread alone, he was referring to how we can nourish the completeness of our being as people. So the body is this. It needs food to be able to be... be Thank you, David. He's helping me preach. I love that, brother. <laughs> Our bodies need food to be nourished well, to live well, to be healthy. The body needs food to do that. Body, so. The soul doesn't necessarily need food. And when I talk about soul, I'm talking about your will, your emotions, and your intellect, or your mind. It doesn't necessarily need food. There is a connection between the food and the, what the food does to the soul. But your mind, so people sometimes love to learn, to gain knowledge, to have, you know, their, their, their will. I want to do this. Some people, what makes them happy is not food. It's having a point of authority. If I, 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 I in your life, that's what I'm talking about. This is my position, and so that's what I want to do. If they get their way, they are happy than even eating. And so the soul part requires the things of the I and I am this person, I am that person, the self, sometimes we call it that way. The will, the emotions, and the intellect, that is the soul. So people who have, over the years, found ways to gratify their soul, either good or bad, are very, very, very healthy in that aspect of their life. The good side of it is learning about joy and peace, all those kind of things, is the soul. Now the spirit, please listen to me very well. The spirit is what needs spiritual food for nourishment. And so things like prayer, worship, fasting, they make our spirit man healthy, strong, 
prosperous. You can mention all the good works. That is the food, in quotes, that the spirit needs. So Jesus Christ was talking to this woman at a well. Please don't go. You're preaching with me today. And the disciples came. They brought food to Jesus. You know what Jesus Christ said? They were like, Jesus, why don't you stop to come and eat with us? And he said, I have food to eat that you guys don't know of. What kind of food was it? It wasn't physical food. There was something that was going on in his spirit, ministering to the lady that was satisfying more than food. And so for all of us as God's children, to be balanced in our work with God, the spirit needs nourishment, the soul needs nourishment, the body needs nourishment. When the soul doesn't get what it needs, depression comes in. That is lack of nutrients for the soul. There is no joy, there is no peace, and all those things. You can eat all the food in the world and develop your spirit in, in a way, but if your soul is not healthy, it can affect you. But God wants us to have all three balance. So Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Food is good, but food is not enough. There is something else that the word of God has provided. It keeps your spirit and your soul alive in the way of God. Have we understood it? Thank you very much. Please go have your seat. So having established this foundation, fasting is one of the things that keep your spirit alive. If you feed any of these above the other, the one you feed is the one that rises up. That is a principle. Nobody can change it. And you are, it doesn't mean you are not saved. You are saved. But you've seen some Christians who are more, Paul would describe that as carnal than spiritual. It doesn't mean they have backslidden necessarily. It means that they have fed the body more than they have fed the spirit. And so whatever comes out of them doesn't really show signs of the spirit. It shows signs of the flesh because the flesh has been has been pampered, has been, has been nourished so much that it can rise. It, 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 it just has to control. That is not a good balance in our work with God. And so when we call a fast, once again, we are not calling a death sentence. We are calling the body of Christ to come to a place where we can build our spirit. And I can tell you, I'm, I know some of you have experienced what I'm going to say. There are times, if you've, depending on how long you've been working in faith, if fasting has been something that you have learned to do over the years, there are times in your fasting you don't want to come back and eat again. Because you enjoy that state so well. But the word of God is true. In as much as man cannot live by bread alone, man cannot also live by fasting alone. So you have to come back and eat. But the point I'm making is there is joy in feeding all these these three parts of our being, because that is how God made us. Are we all good? Great. And so, if we don't feed one part, we make it malnourished. And there is spiritual malnourishment. You might not agree. Let me read something from you. That is not here. But in Hebrews chapter 5, verse 12, it says, For though by this time, Hebrews 5, 12, for though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God. 
and you have come to need milk and not solid food. So he's saying by this time you should be able to teach others. In other words, you should have developed yourself to come to the point where you can teach others. But we still have to come and give you milk. Because you've not developed, grown your spirit man to be able to be a blessing unto other people. And in this house, we don't want spiritual malnourishment. And so we create spaces for all of us to grow together. If you agree with me, say amen to that. Thank you. And so then, having done all this illustration, we all know the essence of fasting in our lives. What is fasting then? What is fasting? I am going to provide three definitions here. The first one, you know where it's from? Google. Yay. I found the Google one as so cool. So if Google, according to fasting on Google, it says fasting according to the Bible means voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time and purpose. That is what Google says. It didn't bring anything spiritual. <laughs> Praise God. But it's so good. So fasting according to the Bible means to voluntarily reduce or eliminate your intake of food for a specific time and purpose. So there is a time there, and I will talk about the time extensively, because sometimes that is where the problem comes. And also there is a purpose for it. Okay, now let's take the second one. Now we're coming back home. Google is far away. This is home. So for those of you who don't know Dr. George and his Hill, these are the founders of Victory Church International. This is how they define fast. Fasting means to abstain from food or drink for spiritual purposes. To abstain from food or drink for spiritual purposes. And we have copies of their book in-house. Janina, we, we do, right? We have um, Fasting for Breakthrough and Revival in-house. This, that book was written by Dr. George and Hazel Hill. Very, very good book on the subject of fasting. So if you don't, I can't explain everything in the time I have. I encourage you to get a copy of the book in the course of this week. Spend time reading it. And then the last definition I have here is from Dr. Miles Moreau. He says, a fast is a conscious, intentional decision to abstain for a time from the pleasure of eating in order to gain spiritual benefits. So there is a time that you put the food aside. Remember what I did, the illustration I did here? You don't just put the food aside, but you put it aside for spiritual benefits. You want to develop your spirit. If you put the food aside and doesn't pursue the spiritual side of things, it is starving, not fasting. And sometimes, you know, because life is busy, we cannot fall into that. I'll go about how we can do a very good fast before I end my message. But the spiritual benefit is very, very important because that is why you're putting the food aside. The food is good. Food is not bad. Food is very, very, very good. We all need it. But if you want to put it aside, it should be for spiritual purposes. And so you have to do the things that will let the, that purpose be achieved according to the word of God. And so these are the three definitions of fast. I also want to stress this. As we fast this, so all these, you know, they all talked about food and drink and all of that. As we go through this for spiritual purposes, we also want to abstain from certain things that can be of um, distraction or baits that will not allow us to fully get a spiritual food or sorry nourishment that we're looking for and so as we keep our food away 
we are also, depending on who you are and the things, I want to quote from um, Hebrews, we say, the things that easily ensnare you. Know that for yourself. If it is social media, put it aside. If it is entertainment, put it aside. If it is sports, whatever it is that will distract you, put that aside. Because if you don't, sometimes you cannot, you can choose to fast without eating, but then you will not be able to achieve what you, 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 you want to, or God is calling you to, because there are other baits. And we all know how social media can be of distraction. And so we encourage that. Actually, in the book of First Corinthians chapter 5, we're not going to read that. First um, Corinthians chapter 7, sorry, chapter 7, verse 1 to 5. Paul encouraged that even for couples who are married, within that time, you know, if you don't, if you want to have, you don't want to have sexual, you know, um, relations, you can talk to each other within that time. That is not a fasting. That is what you abstain from during the fasting, if you choose to. Praise God. And so let's get it well. I'm teaching biblical fasting, not how we have made it. And this is what the Bible says. So whatever is a distraction to you, put it aside. Because there is something that is in your heart that you want to really, really, you know, get. And tonight, for those of you who are going to be here for Engage, I'll be talking about how to, not talk, a little teaching before we pray, on how to fast with purpose and vision, purpose and passion. Because it's not just about living the food. It's about having a passion into the fast as God leads you. So that is for tonight. But this morning, these are the things that we can abstain from. Entertainment, games, sex, social media, TV, sports, and whatever is a bait to you. Know that. For some people, they don't even care about social media. They are not on any of the social media stuff. But maybe sports. I love soccer a lot. Confession. I can watch soccer from morning to evening. If you don't believe, ask my wife. Not like, like live soccer matches, like old ones. See, I can go watch like... Okay, confession time here. 1957 World Cup in Mexico. And I'll start from the scratch. This is 1957, before I was even born. But I just enjoy watching how these guys play soccer then and how it has been computerized now. So... In the course of fasting, I have to know what I will be disciplined about and take from my life. It might not be social media for me, but it might be something else that can easily distract me. You get yourself away from that. Now, I want us to look at the historical evidence from a biblical perspective of fasting. Is it something new that God has placed on us? No. It was there before we were all born. And if Christ doesn't come in our time, it's going to be there after we are gone. We have a privilege to do it now that we are living. And so, from a biblical point, these are some examples. I'm going to give you some names and references, scriptural references. We can read them. I encourage you to read them in the course of this week if you choose to fast and pray with us. So the first one is Moses. In Deuteronomy chapter 9, verse 9, Exodus. So if you want to take a, you know, um, take a shot of it, that is going to help you because I can, we can read all of this. But Moses fasted, Elijah fasted, Ezekiel fasted, Daniel fasted, Nehemiah fasted, Ezra fasted. You know, we didn't even bring the one of Esther here. I'll talk about that later. But the point is this. It is not new. All through the Old Testament, people fasted. And all these people fasted in different ways. And I'll go through that at the, at the latter part. And so there isn't a, a specific way that fasting is supposed to be necessarily. 
all these people fasted in different ways. But these are references from the Old Testament. Now, in the New Testament, we have examples like Jesus, as I read before. We have the Pharisees. Yes, they also fasted. <laughs> yeah, those guys. The Pharisees also fasted. You remember when they came and asked Jesus, we are fasting, and why are your disciples not fasting? The Bible said the Pharisees, the disciples of the Pharisees and or that of John the Baptist were fasting. And they were like, you guys following Jesus? You guys are eating too much. Why? My question to them if I were there was, well, why do you bother? If you're fasting, somebody's not fasting. Do you know what God has told them? Anyway, but Jesus said they were going to do it later. And so we see that there. the Pharisees did that. The second, um, the third or so, okay, disciples and apostles. So disciples and then later apostles, the same people. In Acts chapter 13, verse 1 to 3, you can see all of that there. They fasted. Paul says he fasted several times. Many times he, he mentions that. And then the Corinthian church. This is very interesting because I brought it here because I felt... When Paul was writing to them in 1 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 5, he was teaching them how to fast well. And so what we can learn from it was that he had already taught them that it was something they were supposed to do. And because they knew, because they knew that they were supposed to do it, he was giving further knowledge on how best they, they, they could do it. And so at least we know that the Corinthian church also fasted. And I believe all the other churches that Paul discipled also were doing that. But these are some references for us as we move on. Apart from, you know, biblical principles, early church fathers like Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, if you read the uh, stories, these guys fasted. It was part of their life. In fact, I, I read that even John Wesley, for those of you who don't know John Wesley, John Wesley is the founder of the Methodist Church. John Wesley said, very, very powerful man of God. He preached like through the England area, very powerful. On horseback, like, if you get one of his sermons even now, you can feel the power behind the messages. But John Wesley had a principle for ordaining Methodist ministers. And one of them was that if you couldn't fast two days in a week, you were not qualified to be a Methodist minister. Can you imagine that? Probably some of us might not have qualified to be there at that time. <laughs> but that brings, to, brings home how these people practiced that. You know, he, he, they were able to do the work of God massively at a time because most of them, I believe, were, were part, had fasting as part of their lives. And so we see that from our church fathers as well. Before I go to the types of fasting, I want to list some key facts about fasting. It's not here, but I felt it's, it's important for us to know. One, fasting is accompanied by prayer. As I've said before, fasting has to go together with prayer. If you fast without praying, it is incomplete. You're just starving yourself. Could there be health benefits? Yes, medically. The medical people can explain. But spiritual benefits may be little or none. So if you fasting, it must go with prayer. And I, I say, yeah, as fuel runs our vehicles and other appliances... Fasting fueled the prayer life of the believer. Fasting, when it's combined with prayer, very, very powerful. The second point is this. Fasting doesn't change God. Let me say that again. When we fast, it doesn't change God. 
Who does it change? Yes. Remember that? You, it's building you up. It's not changing God. So when we fast, we are not fasting to tie God's hands to do things for us. That is not what fasting means. Are there benefits for sure? But our fasting doesn't change God. It's, it changes us. It transforms us. The Bible says it humbles us. That is the essence of fasting. In Psalm 69 verse 10, the Bible says, I humbled myself by fasting. David talking here. He said, and people insulted me. Because maybe they thought this guy was not really wise. Why is he doing that? But for him, it was a, a way of humbling himself before God. In 2 Chronicles 7, 4, we all know that. The Bible says, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, it is one of the ways of humbling ourselves. Turn from their wicked ways. Seek my face. That is the prayer part. I will hear them from heaven and I will heal their land. So fasting is a way that we humble ourselves before God for him to move in our lives. And then the third one is fasting reduces the control of the flesh and increases the control of the spirit. I did that illustration here. I can't share enough examples of how that has helped me in my own work with God. You know, the truth is this. If you leave your flesh, it will come up. It will rise up. It will rule. That is the truth. If you leave your flesh, all of us, I don't care how many years you've been a, you've been a believer, if you leave this flesh, it will rise up and control things. Fasting is a way of telling your, your body, your flesh, and your soul that, you know what? Jesus is in control. My spirit is in control. Because, you know, at the end of the day, it is our spirit that goes to God. This body is placed somewhere. You all know what I'm talking about. So the spirit is that we are spirit beings with a soul living in a body. That should be the real definition of every believer. We are spirit beings, we have a soul, and we live in a body. So we actually should define ourselves more by our spirit than by our flesh. Before God, that is who we are. And so if there is any part of us that needs to really be the boss, the one that leads, Paul would encourage, be led by the spirit. And you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Amen. So fasting is a way of growing, developing your spirit man so that the flesh doesn't rise up. And sometimes, you no, know, let me put this in. If you're going through some form of addiction or challenges and emotional imbalance, whatever it is, try fasting and see. Try fasting and see how that can help. Because maybe the body or the soul is trying to rise up, but the spirit is saying, give me a way. Let me come. I want to be in charge. And that is very, very important there. The fourth one, fasting doesn't replace the work of grace. Somebody might say, well, you know, we all say by Christ, he has redeemed us and all of that. Why do we need to fast? Fasting doesn't replace the work that Jesus has already done for us. It magnifies grace. Why? Because Jesus said we should do it. Jesus told the disciples that when you fast, he didn't say if you fast. So fasting is a when, it's not an if. When you fast. He knows that they were going to fast along the way. And we all know they fasted when Jesus was gone and the persecution came and they started the church. You know, read the book of Acts, they fasted a lot. And so Jesus told them that. So it doesn't replace the work of grace. 
it rather magnifies the work of grace in the life of the believer. And then the last one about the facts is the fasting is more an attitude of their heart. And so, you know, Jesus said, when you fast, don't be like the Pharisees who want everybody to see and all of that. You know, don't let your faces show that you are fasting. Let me explain that. When we fast, when we don't eat, definitely things will show physically that we are not eating. That is normal. It doesn't mean when your face looks a little bit bored, you are being unspiritual. That is not what Jesus is trying to say. What Jesus is trying to say is, or Jesus was saying is, let the state of your heart be pure before me. That is all I need. Yes, physically you would, depending on how long you go, you can lose weight. Your faces, facial appearance might change. Some things will change in your body. Don't, don't bother about that. Let your heart be good before God because it is an attitude of their heart than a physical action. And so let's keep that in mind. Now let me go to the types of fast. And when I say the type of fast, I'm looking at the two types. Corporate fast and um, personal or individual fast. After this, I'll go to the length. How long you can go or you should go. So corporate fast is when a fast is called by a leader of a group. It can be a nation. Can you imagine tomorrow we wake up and say, from the beginning of January, we're going to have a national fast for Canada. Praise God. How wonderful that would be. Don't you believe that is possible? With God, all things are possible. But a corporate fast is a fast that is called by a leader for a group of people. And we saw that, I mean, we see that a lot in the Bible. In 2 Chronicles chapter 2, verse 2 to 4, oh, King Jehoshaphat got into a big problem as a king. And the Bible says, I'm going to read from here, 2 Chronicles 22 to 4. He said, some people came and told Jehoshaphat, a vast army is coming against you. Alarmed, Jehoshaphat resolved to inquire of the Lord, and he proclaimed a fast for all Judah. Wow. Something is coming against our nation. It is beyond what we can handle as humans. God, we need you. And this was called by the king by the leader of the land. How pleasant will that not be? And so this teaches us that we can call a fast as a family. We can call a fast as a church, and that is what we are calling. We can call a fast as a city, as a nation. As long as God leads, we can do that. And so that is an example of corporate fast. This other one by Ezra is very, very profound, and I want us to read that. Ezra chapter 8, verse 21 to 23. Maybe let's read from 22 to 23. Ezra 8, 22 to 23. It says, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and horsemen to protect us from enemies on the road because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is on everyone who looks to him, but his great anger is against all who forsake him. So, we fasted and petitioned our God about this, and he answered our prayer. This was when Ezra was leading, you know, those in exile back home. And these guys were walking, they were trekking, they were not flying or, you know, they were going to walk through a terrain that was so dangerous, armed men could attack them. And so he said, 
have two options as a king, I mean, as a leader. One, I can ask the king to give us men with military power to take us to the place. And the king would have done that. But he said, I was ashamed to ask the king for soldiers and for horsemen to protect us from our enemies on the road. Because we had told the king, the gracious hand of our God is upon everyone who looks to him. My goodness. Ezra is saying, I want to throw a challenge to my God. Because we've already told the king who he is. And if indeed our God is that person, we've told the king, then let us prove it. And how did he do that? By proclaiming a fast and petitioning God. And God heard their prayers and took them safely. There are times, yes, human help is good. But there are times the Holy Spirit will nudge your heart to pursue spiritual help from God. That will bring glory to his name. Can you imagine the testimony that these guys had? Nobody protected them on the way and they went home safely. I believe that spoke to the king at the time of how mighty God was. And so Ezra proclaimed the fast for a national protection. In the case of King Jehoshaphat, as we read before, that was for national deliverance. Other examples you can write is from Jonah chapter 3 verse 10. We're not going to read that. When you know, Jonah went to preach in Nineveh and these guys, their hearts were so broken, they called a fast. In fact, that fast it was for every single one, including even animals. Nobody should eat or drink. Wow. That was for national repentance. And God heard them. In the book of Esther, that is another example, chapter 4, verse 15 to 16, we hear of how Esther as the queen at the time called a fast, everyone. As long as you are a Jew, you've got to be part of this. You see, when a fast is called by a leader in such situations, we can believe that this is something that God wants us to do, or you can choose to step aside. And take this well from me. What I'm saying is that when a fast is called, in as much as you can, be part of it in some way. And I'll explain the some way before I end. Because God normally has a plan, a purpose for his people before he brings this out. Can you imagine in the days of Esther, people were doing their, their life. They had their own plans and agenda. You just get an email. Everybody is going to fast for the next three days. No food, no water. Come on, Esther. I already made some sandwiches in my fridge. What do you want me to do with that? But the people knew that this could be for something. And they joined. And so when a fast is proclaimed from a corporate point, there is a purpose and there is a reason behind it. If there are some, if there are, I mean, medical or whatever problem for which you cannot join, I always say it is fasting and prayer. If you can't join the fasting, you can join the prayer. So there is a part you can play. If you can't join the fasting, you can join the prayer. Be part of it. Let us go together. Let us move together. Because God is doing something for us as a family. So that is um, corporate fast. The second one is personal fast. And we're not going to read um, the example, but Jesus fasted, as we've already established. In Acts chapter 9, verse 9, Paul also fasted. And uh, as I mentioned, you know, of some of the early church fathers, individual fast or personal fast is when you decide to fast according to how the Holy Spirit leads you, or what you feel you, you want to do. That is your own. Nobody calls that for you. You do that by yourself as you are led.
The other fasting I came across, which I didn't read from any of the you know, research material that I was using, was in Luke chapter 2, verse 37. And I really want us to read that. Luke chapter 2, verse 37. This happened when Jesus Christ was born and was taken to the temple. The Bible says, in, and this woman, Anna is the woman we're talking about here, was a widow of about 84 years who did not depart from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayer nights and day. She did not depart from the temple. She served God. The word serve, which is used here, is the same word in the Greek for minister, for worship. So this woman took fasting as her ministry. Powerful. She was in the house. Of course, she didn't have a family to, you know, go take her up. Maybe some grandkids, but maybe the calling was too much, and so she stayed in the church. But she was doing that, praying. And when Jesus was presented to the church, she and Simeon, the other guy, these were the people who knew that this boy was the Messiah for Israel. Because she had been pursuing this in her heart, I believe she was praying for the coming of Jesus. The Bible doesn't say it, but I believe she was praying because she knew that the boy who had come there, eight days old, was the Messiah. Many great Pharisees and religious leaders did not even know. But that woman stayed in the church, fasting and praying as a form of ministry. So I believe God can call some people into the ministry of fasting and praying because... He is God and he uses us for whatever he wants to do in our lives. Okay, so now let me go to the other one, which is the length. How long should you fast? Or how long did people fast according to the Bible? I want to say this. Unless the Holy Spirit tells you exactly how long you are supposed to fast, you choose your time and the length you go. Can I say that again? Unless the Holy Spirit tells you how long you are supposed to fast, you choose your time and the length you want to go. In the Bible, people fasted in different ways for different length of time. There were some of them that the Holy Spirit told them to fast for a certain time. There were others, they just decided to fast, but they chose their own time. As I've said here before, what you give to God is what God takes from you. So there is no rule about how long you should fast or how short you should fast. Decide on what you want to fast. Give it to God and let God give you grace for it. As you walk with God, if you're a new believer and you're new to this, I would encourage you to get books, get some teachings, understand it well before you get deeper into it because the knowledge is very, very important. But as you grow in the things of God, you begin to understand and God will take you to different dimensions of fasting. And so if you're new to, to the faith and God has not told you to go on a 40-day fast, don't just say, well, I want to be spiritual, so I want to do a 40-day fast you might not cross to the other side of the 40 days. <laughs> and I'm not discouraging 40 day fast. It's powerful and I'm going to go through that. But I want to emphasize this. If the Holy Spirit doesn't tell you how long you should go, choose your length. And you might ask, can he tell? Yes, he can. Let me give an, a, a personal example. Before I came here on staff, in fact, I had no idea I was going to be here on staff. There was one time the Holy Spirit told me in, through a dream and he gave me the specific time that I had to fast. In fact, being very honest, when I woke up, I was like, what I told God was, God, I believe, help my unbelief. <laughs> because I was like, oh God, I knew it was God. I knew I couldn't, you know, I was going to do it anyways. But like, the time was quite, quite a longer period of time. 
And so I began to, I talked to my wife, of course, and I began to, you know, do what God had put in my heart. I had no idea what God was doing. I just allowed him to speak to me day by day to go through what, you know, um, the first. And it was in the course of that time when he brought me into full-time ministry. I had no idea what he was doing. Nobody had talked about me like nothing. And so after when the conversation started, I was like, okay, so this is what God wanted me to prepare for. Sometimes he can tell you, fast for a day, fast for two days, fast for three days. Whatever he tells you, my opinion doesn't matter. But if he hasn't told you, choose what you can and let him help you to do it. So according to the Bible, some people fasted, well, someone fasted for one day. So these are, these are the different biblical, you can take a picture, I mean, screenshot of it and then read it in the course of this week to know more about how people did it in the Bible. But, so you can fast for one day. It says in First Samuel chapter 14, verse 24, Now the Israelites were in distress that day because Saul had, pound, had bound the people under an oath, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food before evening comes, before I have avenged myself on my enemies. So no one of the troops tasted food. And so none of the, none of the people tasted food. So Saul here had declared a fast. It was just a day. So until evening. So which means they didn't eat their breakfast and lunch and they ate in the evening. That is a fast. And God, I believe, accepted it. The second one is three days. So in the Bible, some people also, people also fasted for three days. And we know the story of Esther where he, she called a fast and they all fasted for three days. In Acts chapter 9, Paul also fasted for three days. And so that is here. In both of these, let me clarify this. They did not eat, they did not eat and they did not drink. It doesn't necessarily mean that is the rule. Okay? It doesn't necessarily mean if you're doing a three-day fast, you don't have to eat, you don't have to drink. No. You can. You can do a three-day fast. If the Holy Spirit has not told you how long to go, you can do a three-day fast. For instance, combine the one and the two. You can do a three-day fast of, let's say, you're going to skip your breakfast, skip your lunch, eat in the evening for three days. That is fast. You can say, I want to skip my breakfast, eat, at, eat my lunch, and eat my, my supper for three days, for one week, for two weeks. That is fast. So there are no hard rules around how it's supposed to be done. Once again, unless the Holy Spirit tells you. If he tells you, my words don't matter. And so that is what we see there. We see, um, again, 10 days in Daniel chapter 1, verse 8 to 14, we read of you know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, those guys, who said, we don't want to defy ourselves with a portion of the king's food. And so they ate, but did not eat the rich food of the Babylonians. And that is a fast as well. And so for 10 days, these guys ate something, but it wasn't something that was giving them pleasure underlined. They sacrificed something. In every, every form of fast, there is a way you sacrifice something to grow spiritually. Something that would please your flesh is sacrifice. And that is what these guys did. And you know what is interesting here? It wasn't only these four guys who went to Babylon. There were other Israelites who went there. What happened? They ate 
and then they were part of the whole Babylonian thing. But this guy said, we want to keep ourselves pure for God, and so we're not going to do that. So that is it for the, how many days? 10 days? Okay, and then 14 days. In Acts chapter 27, verse 3 to 5, you have reference there as well. Paul and a couple of other guys did that. And then 21 day, we see Daniel also doing that. Reference is there. 40 days, we have Moses doing it. We have Jesus doing it. We have um, Elijah also doing it. Bible scholars have explained that part. When Moses did his, that was when he went, you know, to go to go get the, the commandments. And so Moses was in the cloud for 40 days. Certainly, it was a fast. If you read this, you see that. He did not eat nor drink. Dr. George and he, you know, um, call it a supernatural fast. And what they, how they explain that is, if God calls you into that fast, he gives you grace for it. Because medically, and I'm not a medical doctor, I know there are some in the, in the house, your body needs what can stay out of water for three days. And so if you want to do a dry fast, three days is advice. Anything beyond that, you have to, you encourage to drink water because the body needs water. Your body has stored enough food. So if you don't eat, you're not going to die. <laughs> okay, but your body needs water. And so you have to drink, drink, drink water. Drinking too much water is not a sin when you are fasting. You're just nourishing your body. And so let us not beat on ourselves so much. Once again, it's about the condition of your heart in the process. If you're not, if you go in three days, then you will want to drink water or maybe eat, depending on how you want to do it. But this, the last point here, some of them did not drink water for 40 days, but it is not advised that you do that. Once again, unless the Holy Spirit tells you. And if you're not sure the Holy Spirit is telling you, get counseling, talk to some people, and be sure that he's telling you to do that. Amen. Okay, so I think with this here, um, let's look at... So you might have read from other books where they, you know, give the differences as absolute fast, normal fast, or partial fast. Those are descriptions. The Bible doesn't use those words to explain it, right? And so if you read it, it's not different from what I'm saying. How absolute fast will be is like no water, no food. Partial fast will be water without food. Um, maybe for a couple of days. And then, sorry, normal will be that one. And then partial will be like Daniel fast, where you eat maybe vegetables and other things for a period of time. Ezekiel also had that fast. God gave him the things that he was supposed to eat in the course of that time. Lentils and millet and some things I've not even seen before. But God told him to do that. And so, once again, pick what is good for your strength. Learn it. Begin to go through it. And as you go through it, God will give you grace to grow more and more in that. And then maybe the last part that I will talk about here is, what are the benefits of fasting? Are there benefits? Well, if God said we should do it, then definitely there are benefits. Because whatever he said we should do is good. And so, Fasting strengthens your prayer life. No twist about that. If you're somebody who has, if you've learned to, to be fasting, it strengthens your prayer life. And like I've said, it doesn't need to be three days or four days or one week or whatever. You can even choose to say, you know what? Maybe every Monday I'm going to fast my breakfast and spend time to pray 
and see God's face and then eat my lunch and my supper for the day. That is good. Start from there. Maybe you want to fast, like John Wesley's, you know, example I gave before. He's, he said if a person could not fast Mondays and Wednesdays till, I think, evening, he would not ordain them as Methodist ministers. So basically, they were not going to eat their breakfast and their lunch, but they were going to eat in the evening. And I'm sure that is what some of us, most of us can do that. So if you can only skip your breakfast, praise God for it. And I'm sure at least skipping breakfast is not hard. Drink water. 12 o'clock comes very fast, <laughs> and then you can eat. But if you start from there and you begin to see the benefits, the Lord or your heart will be of joy, you know, to, 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 to do that. So that is, it strengthens your prayer life. Once again, because your spirit is what you pray with. As you grow your spirit and your flesh is not in control, you can really um, pray well. Second one, it sharpens our spiritual senses. I can't emphasize that more. When your spirit man is very sharp, you discern sharply. You, you are like, you, you see things, you feel things that are not just in a spiritual way, but that is who you are as a child of God. So fasting, the book of Acts over there says, when they were fasting, the Holy Spirit told them, separate for me Paul and Barnabas. He provided a way for doing his work through the time that they were fasting there. The, the third one, it releases power for ministry. We see Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 4, verse 14. The Bible says he returned from the wilderness full of power, full of the Holy Ghost. That was before he began his ministry. I know a lot of people, before they step into ministry or a calling, they want to spend some time to seek the face of God through fasting and prayer. It prepares you well into the new place that God is calling you um, to serve him. D, it causes revival. It causes revival. Jonah chapter 3, verse 5 to 10, and Isaiah 58, um, verse 9, talks about how fasting causes revival. Isaiah says, your light will shine forth. There is a stirring, there is a revival that comes with fasting and prayer. Then the next one is when you are dealing with what Jesus calls a different kind. You know, here was when Jesus, the disciples prayed for a guy who couldn't, a boy who, was, who wasn't, who they couldn't heal. And then Jesus came, solved the problem. The disciples went to him in secret and said, Jesus, why couldn't we do this? And he said, this kind. Now, the Bible doesn't define what is this kind. This is my personal belief. You have your kind, I have my kind. So know what is your kind, and then let God lead you through fasting to approach that kind. Are we, are we good with that? What is your kind? When I was growing up, one of my spiritual fathers, he always, you know, had told us that anything that doesn't make sense is spiritual. <laughs> anything that doesn't make sense, if your mind can't process it, is spiritual. And sometimes it's not hard to discern some of those things. You've dealt with it in different ways. You don't still seem to see results. Well, try this. That might be your kind. So your kind might not be my kind. But know your kind and approach it with fasting. Because Jesus said this kind doesn't go except by fasting and prayer. And then the last one there is healing. So that's physical healing. Medically proven over and over and over and over that fasting helps 
your body system, we need a medical doctor to talk about that. That is not my area, so I don't want to step into it, but I know it works well. The fathers of medicine from history have proven that. And recently, I actually saw that there is something called intermittent fasting, which is not a biblical fasting. Maybe some of you know that. My wife showed me an app where, you know, you can fast for how many days and eat. And I was like, really? Are people doing this, like, non-believers doing this? And she was like, yes. I said, my goodness, God, quicken your church again. Some of them were like, you don't eat for 10 hours, for 14 hours. It's like, really? So that, because I believe it brings healing to people, and so they're picking that part. For us, we get both the spiritual and the physical together. We fast to build our spirit man, but because the body also goes through that, there is a physical healing to it, and God blesses our lives for that. So before I go, if you are deciding to fast with us in the course of this week, these are practical things that I want you to take note of. As I said tonight, I'm going to be talking about fasting with purpose and vision. A little teaching on that. How do you even get, how do you get up tomorrow morning with a joy in your heart to begin to fast? Fasting should not make you feel sad. In fact, there is some part in the Bible where it says your fasting should be joy unto the Lord. God said that. So fasting can be done with joy. How do you prepare yourself to be able to step into a fast with joy? I will share a bit about that tonight. But basically, know why you get into the fasting and let God prepare your heart into it. You will be able to know why you accept why you forgo some form of food in your life for what God wants you to do. And then on Saturday, um, we will have what we call the prayer retreat here from 9 in the morning to 12 noon. If you're available and you want to be part of us, Please come join us. We will study Isaiah 58, which talks about fasting. You spend time to worship and spend time to pray. You know, sometimes fasting becomes very difficult because we don't make time to do the thing that will build our spirit. And so we end the day, you know, tired because we're busy working and all of that. If you go through fast in that way, yes, it's hard. It's a pain. But if you can do it in the way that the Bible says we should do it, it is a joy. And so... That is for Saturday, but what you want to do is, first of all, in as much as you can, choose how many days you want to go. Are you want to go with us for the 10 days, for five, for two, for one? It doesn't matter. Join in some way, in some form, as the Holy Spirit leads you. But if you can, have a schedule for how you go through each day. Because, you know, if you don't plan for time, time will plan for you. So have, have, have a schedule of how you want to go through things. Maybe in the morning I'm going to rise up. Time I'm, I would have eaten my breakfast. I'll spend that time to pray. So you have that. I like to write things down. In the afternoon, I probably will maybe choose 30 minutes or 45 minutes, read my Bible for 15 minutes, and pray for 15 minutes. If you can even write what you want to pray about. You know what? When you plan, it doesn't mean you are not being spiritual. It helps you to present something to God he will do exceedingly abundantly above what we can think or imagine. But think something, imagine something, and allow him to do above that. Praise God. So have something on paper. Write what you want to do. Write how you want to, when you want to, you know, spend time to read your Bible. Those things are good. It keeps you in check. If not, you know what? Things will come and steal your time. 
if you don't know what you're going to pray about, I've given you a lot of verses. Quick one, if maybe you, you want to pray about healing, what are the scriptures about healing? Go through the Bible. Google can help you. List them down. If you're praying about finance, what are the scriptures on that subject? Write, whatever you want to pray about in the course of the fast, write those scriptures down. And then day by day, pick some and read. You know what? As you read, the Holy Spirit will lead you to other things that you don't know. That is for God. But what you know, do that. Write them down. So let that guide you. Drink more water. Drink more water. It is good for your health. You know, I told my friends back in Ghana that the challenging thing about fasting in Canada is it's so cold for me. And my body gets cold so quickly. So drink more water. Let your body get fluid, right, to be able to move on. Drink more water. In the morning, when you get up in the morning, you brush your teeth, drink. If you can drink one, um, how many liters are that? Okay, drink that. And keep water with you. It keeps your body strong. You'll be surprised. You can go through half a day. Maybe like you, and you'll be surprised. Wow. So drink more water. Spend time as you read the Bible. Spend time to meditate on the Bible. I've told you to how to, you can, you know, schedule for prayer. If you have time, get things like movies, spiritual movies, and watch them. The Passion of the Christ. Some of these Christ-centered movies. If you trust in God for healing, are there some Christian movies on healing? Are there some sermons on the subject? Look for them. Ahead of time, kind of look, ask friends, people who have done it. Spend your time watching these things if you have time for that. Surround yourself with things that can help you flow in the fasting. If you have enough time every evening, spend time watching a movie on a particular subject or listening to sermons from men and women of God that have been a blessing to your life. Those things will build your spirit up. Sometimes you don't even know what to pray. But as you watch a movie or watch worship songs or something, you see something spike in your spirit. And you can just get up and begin to pray. So surround yourself with those things. Get good quality spiritual songs and then use them. So these are practical ways to be able to have a successful fast. I want to invite the worship team up stage as I pray. But... My encouragement is that pick what you can. If you're on heavy medication and that is not going to work for you, that's fine, but at least pray with us. If you are pregnant, yes, but pray with us. If you have some life issue that cannot, help, that cannot allow you to fast, it is fasting and prayer. Can we please rise? It is fasting and prayer. Choose what works for you and let God bless your life with that. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we praise you. 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 Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I know this has been a lot of download in the heart of your people. But we thank you that it's not new according to your word. The Bible said, Jesus said, the Holy Spirit will remind you. So, Father, you always give us knowledge that we can be reminded you know, of. We thank you for this message on fasting. I pray for everyone, Lord, in this house, even for those who have not done it before, or for those who feel this is tough, give them strength. Give them strength. And Lord, I ask for a spiritual awakening amongst us as a church. Lord, as we go through this, no matter how long people may go, it may be half a day, 
skipping breakfast, skipping lunch, whatever, Lord, it looks like, you know the state of the heart of your people. Bring us along. And I ask, Lord, for miracles, signs, and wonders. The book of Isaiah says that our light will shine forth. Father, as we seek your face through this week, let our light shine forth. I pray your peace and your blessing over your church. Be glorified, Lord. We thank you. We bless your holy name. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to this message from Victory Church Grand Prairie. You can stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube by using at VictoryChurchGP. If you have any questions, would like to access our online resources, or would like to sow into this ministry, you can visit us at www.VictoryGP.com. You can also text to give. Just text 587-207-4387 and follow the prompting. Thanks again for joining us at Victory GP. Reach. Teach. Mobilize.